0: Welcome, this is Birth Baby. Your hosts are Sierra Morgan and Samantha Kelly. Sierra is a birth doula, hypnobirthing educator, and
1: pediatric sleep consultant. Samantha is a birth doula, childbirth educator, and lactation counselor. Join us as we guide you through your options for your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum journey.
0: Welcome to our first ever episode of Birth Baby. Sierra and I are so excited to share this project with y'all and can't wait to dive into some exciting subjects together. Today, we're gonna be sharing a little bit with you about who we are and about our own birth stories. Sierra, do you wanna start off by sharing a little bit about your journey?
1: Well, it's kind of fun to be recording this so close to my daughter's birthday because she turned 13 three days ago on the time that we're recording this. And so I have a 13-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son. My experience with them was completely night and day different. Um, my preparation was different. My birth team was different. Their dads are different, so there was a whole uh change in scenery. My daughter um was born on a military installation at a military hospital in military hospitals. you don't really have the same situation or at least not at that one as you would as a civilian so there aren't as many choices. I would say, uh, it's kind of just assumed that you will have a hospital birth with a midwife as long as you are low risk. So my entire pregnancy, I saw midwives. I never once saw an OB and it just so happened when I went into labor, it was the lady that I was really, really, really hoping would be at my birth because she was the midwife that I saw for the majority of my pregnancy. So, um, when I got pregnant, I was 23. 3 if i'm doing my math right. And i had her at 24. So not to say anything about when people are young, but some people when they're that young don't necessarily know as much about birth. And i do feel like younger people in the world in general are kind of assumed to not know as much and so we I don't even think we're given as many choices I don't think that they explain things as much to us it's just assumed that we're naive and not going to really ask questions and we're just going to pay attention to what the medical providers around us are telling us to do and just kind of trust it blindly and I kind of was that person um So, during my pregnancy with her, I knew that I wanted to take some sort of childbirth education, but I didn't know what really. I had an aunt at the time. She's technically my aunt, it's my youngest uncle's wife. And she had a daughter three months before I had my daughter, which her name is Aspen. She took hypnobirthing classes. And I didn't really know much about that. I thought that was kind of a. Weird. Um, I was like a skeptic, really. I just thought that that was kind of silly to take hypno birthing classes. I'm the kind of person who can't take yoga because I just sit and make a grocery list the whole time. So, uh, hypno anything I didn't think would work for me. (laughs) Um, so it, it worked for her. She did great. She had a hospital birth with no medication and very calm atmosphere, and it was great for her. But my ex husband was not so keen on us, um, having any paid classes when everything is already given to us by the military so I took a class that was hospital-based I didn't really know the difference I kind of thought that I was getting an equal equal value class and that it was just free to me but it was definitely not as you Samantha like to say when we talk about hospital-based classes they teach you how to be a good patient and that is what they taught me was how to be a good patient I learned Well, my options for pain management would be and that i would have to take a class about not you know not shaking our baby when we go home and uh, i had to kind of check their boxes but i didn't it didn't really teach me about pain management or how to do anything myself or how to prepare my body nothing like that so i you know was the kind of person who thought when just like we see on the movies oh when your water breaks you rush to the hospital right so when I was 24 years old and at 315 in the morning, my water broke, I rushed to the hospital because that's what I thought you were supposed to do. Um, I had had a very uneventful pregnancy. I had a very uneventful conception of my daughter. Although looking back, I think I was a little bit uh, of a nervous Nelly for no reason. I know that some people genuinely do have a trouble getting pregnant, but at 23 years old when I had only been trying, quote unquote, to get pregnant for three months, I thought something was wrong with me. And so I went to a specialist and asked them all these questions. And I had a monster energy drink in my hand and I immediately get told by the, I believe it was like an ultrasound tech, she's like, well, that's your first problem. You probably shouldn't be drinking energy drinks. And I was like, I swear I don't drink them that often. She's like, that's still too much. Um, So she told me actually that I was ovulating right then. She's like, this scan looks excellent. You should go home and try to conceive a baby now. So I did and it worked um i was super excited to be pregnant y'all i literally thought i was put on this earth just to be a mom like i didn't even want to go to college and my grandmother told me i had to for my mrs degree do y'all love that i had to go get my mrs degree
0: (laughs) ring by spring
1: (laughs) (laughs) i've never heard that basically she was like i said what is an mrs degree she's like you have to go find a husband Well, I found a husband at a bar in college who was in the military. (laughs) I don't think that's what she had in mind. Um, So I, I had a fairly easy time, obviously, getting pregnant. My pregnancy, I thought, was really good. Now, I will share with everyone that I had a fairly mentally abusive partner. I was in a pretty unhealthy relationship, although I was married and got pregnant on purpose and You know, people would probably assume from the outside that everything was fine. Um, Any little thing that I felt that was normal pregnancy symptoms like being nauseated or having less energy or not being able to eat certain foods basically was construed as me being now the term I think people use is extra and that I was just kind of exaggerating things for attention. Um, I would have said I had a great pregnancy and I do have a joint disorder that makes it a little bit harder to have relaxing going through my body because my joints are all already hypermobile. So if I was walking with my big old belly, uh, if I was walking, I would take a few steps and sometimes my hip would like fall out. I remember walking out of the movie theater once fairly pregnant and i had to catch myself on the wall like i put my arm up and caught myself and the person behind me thought i was going into labor because you know in the movies that's what it looks like well that's funny that i said in the movies on tv right in the media that's what it looks like and i remember my ex-husband was like she's fine like (laughs) he was so sick of of that happening but it didn't even bother me i was so happy to be pregnant i just always wanted to be a mom and every little thing i was just excited about um. So needless to say, when I went into labor, he sure didn't know what to do. I got him like all the, oh, Becoming a Dad books. He did not care. He was like kind of annoyed that I was even buying those books for him. Um, Now, he did want to be a dad. And did he take like the classes and everything with you too? He did go. I want to say, and it was so long ago, I want to say there was maybe one or two classes. I don't think that it was a big series or that they were very long. I do remember them showing a birth video in class and he like kind of did a gag thing and looked away. Like he was very not entertained by any of this. And I thought it was so cool. Um, so when my water is released at 3.15 in the morning, I ran to the hospital like a good little patient, right? And he was fully happy to go with me and and yep, that's what we do. By the way, I had also had a false alarm a couple of weeks before where I thought I was going into labor and they were like, no, um, you might have peed yourself, <laughs> which was also really embarrassing at now 24 years old, but also normal for that oh my stage of pregnancy. It happened so often. Yes. And I had just gotten out of the bath. So like, it's possible that I just had like extra water in my, around my body. Um, but yeah, I was really embarrassed. And I remember just thinking that everything my body was going through was so cool. So when I woke up at 3.15 in the morning and felt that my waters had released, and, you know, for some people, that's just a small trickle. For some people, it's a pop and a gush. For me, it was somewhere in the middle. But when I got up and I walked over to the toilet to go to the bathroom, it was clear to me that my waters had released. Like, I peed, but there was still stuff coming out. Um, So I think I made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because... I was practically a kid myself and we Love went to the it. hospital. Yeah. I mean, it's my comfort food. Um, so I went to the hospital and now you guys, one, it was a long time ago. Like I said, she just turned 13. Two, I don't necessarily think I had informed consent for much. So my birth plan quote unquote was to have an unmedicated birth, nobody to ask me about an epidural, I did not want one and I didn't want to be asked about one, but remember, I had not quite prepared for not having one (laughs) and I like that was pretty much it. I wanted to be able to move around. I did those things and we got there. I don't think I was having waves yet, but I remember them telling us to walk the halls because if your waters are released, they're going to keep you. And I do remember that I was having some waves, but I know that when I got back into the room, I after a while was having back to back waves that were so strong that I couldn't even catch my breath between them. And I was sitting on a birth ball and I remember like, I just wanted to cry. I couldn't believe how much it hurt or how fast they were coming. I felt like one didn't even go away before the next one started. And I was so overwhelmed. Um, I should also say my mom drove in. That was the plan. She lived about an hour and a half away and she was going to be there in the room. And she had me at 19, you know, in labor for 19 hours, ended up having a cesarean for like emergency preeclampsia all of a sudden. And so it was very different for her to have a daughter who wanted an unmedicated birth. And she kind of, she was supportive, but I don't think she really thought it would happen. And she also has this weird thing. We had this thing in our family where when we get uncomfortable, we laugh. Or if something is awful, we laugh. And so when I'm sitting there like crying in pain, she was having a hard time keeping it in. She was like having to turn her head and she was kind of laughing and she wasn't being mean. It just struck her funny.
0: And I'm sure that was not very helpful for you in that moment.
1: (laughs) No. And I knew that that's how she was. So I wasn't mad. But I also was like, y'all, you've got to help me. So I was sitting on a birth ball and I do think that at this point they had to have given me Pitocin. There's no way my waves came on this hard and fast all of a sudden out of nowhere. I wish I could get those medical records. It's a little harder when you're trying to get them from a military installation and you're not a military spouse anymore.
0: Because you were hooked up to an IV, you just didn't really know what was in
1: the IV. Right. And that's one of the things now I look back on and I'm like, man, we don't really need that IV connected to us all the time. We could just drink our own you know, fluids. So, um, I think just not having that attached would have taken away that question for me as to whether or not I, I had that. So I looked over at hour 11 and I was like, I've got to do something different. So I knew I needed help with the pain, but I didn't know. I knew I didn't want an epidural still. I was not ready to give into that. So they offered me IV pain meds, but again again not really informed consent I did not know that that passed the placenta like through the placenta that that was going to potentially affect my baby and now looking back that makes me mad because I never would have consented to it but I did get it if my memory serves me right it helped for about 30 minutes and not even fully and I still didn't get to nap which is what I really wanted I was very tired anybody that knows me knows that Sierra needs food and Sierra needs sleep and I was not allowed to eat, and I was not allowed to sleep. (laughs) Recipe for disaster. Seriously, migraine city for me. So about, I don't even know, not very long after that wore off and didn't even really help in the first place, I looked at my ex-husband crying and I said, You know how you have to admit you're wrong sometimes? And he said, Yeah. I said, I was wrong and I I can't do it. I need an epidural. And he's like, Okay. And he wasn't not like, he didn't not want me to get an epidural because he was against epidurals inherently or pain management. He didn't want me to get it because he was worried about the side effects that they could have. He'd heard horror stories of, you know, what if you get Paralyzed or something like that. So, because of that, that make, makes this next part relevant. It was kind of funny. You know, when you get an epidural and you're leaning over onto like the pillow, hugging the pillow, having poor posture, and your partner, a lot of times it's your partner, is right in front of you. So, I'm sitting on the edge of the bed, he's standing in front of me. And when they're putting in the epidural, they didn't tell me, hey, you might feel something on one side or the other, whatever. All of a sudden, my right leg just like kicked out. Like you have a big old uh, reflex. And I felt this zinging warmness, like electrocution down my right side and through my right leg. And it basically kicked my ex husband. And we both panicked. Like I looked at his face, we were both terrified. And the doctor goes, The anesthesiologist said, What side was that? And I said, My right side. And he goes, Okay, that's okay. And he like moved the needle left. And I remember thinking, gosh, it would have been nice to know that that was possible, especially because one of our fears was me being paralyzed (laughs) by an epidural. Um, So that was scary. I almost immediately started puking after getting the epidural. And also just like Sierra needs to eat and Sierra needs to sleep. Throwing up is my nemesis like that is my I always say nausea is my kryptonite. I just can't hang. And so. Now, looking back, it was probably my blood pressure not doing well after that. and I have notoriously low blood pressure anyway, Um, but eventually I was able to get a little bit of sleep. So that all in all did help Um, fast forward to pushing because I don't remember exactly. Oh, did you have a question? did they do
0: did you do any sort of like positioning in the bed like did you have like peanut balls or anything like that or was it kind of just like you got your your epidural take a good nap we're not gonna really mess with you too much
1: I don't even remember if peanut balls were a thing yet I know birth balls were because I remember sitting on one at one point but no I don't think I did I want to say I was likely just I think I was just reclined in bed I may have been on my side a little bit. But I don't think that I was moved around at all. And I told you guys that the midwife that I really loved was who was there at the hospital when I got there. But she got off, I think at 8 a.m. was their changeover. And I was really bummed that she left. And a captain was the one who came on and was taking over. So it was a very different Uh. Personality and very different approach to birth. So, when it was time for me to push, I started pushing with this captain. Well, my midwife came back an hour early from her shift to see if I was still there. And she came up to the captain when she saw I was still there and she asked if she would be allowed to take back over. And the captain let her. So it was really cool because I went from pushing every time they told me to push, which the nurse would basically look at the monitor and tell me it was time to push. And I would. Well, when her first name was Mary, so I'll call her Mary. When Mary would look at me, she locked eyes with me. And when nurse Jessica would tell me to push, Mary would do the smallest head shake telling me no. And I would pause. I just wouldn't do anything. And then she'd give me the tiniest little nod, like when she knew that my wave had peaked so that I could use it and be the most forceful with my pushing. And so I just tapped into her. We just locked eyes. I felt so much safer when she got there. I ended up pushing for a total of two and a half hours. I, My daughter was born at 8.23 p.m. So I pushed about an hour and a half with her and an hour with the captain. My daughter came out looking straight up. She was sunny side up, OP baby all the way.
0: Oh my gosh, that's a, that's a, that's a
1: track. Yeah. And on a first time mom, and that's why my labor was like so rough in my back and in my hips. And that was the thing I was complaining about the most. And I thought it was because I just have hip issues, right? Like I, that's a normal thing for me. And I figured that was what was making it worse. Um, but i really think that it was her positioning was making it rough and nobody had a clue that she was op before she came out um and i remember thinking like i knew they they weren't supposed to come out that way uh, also it was funny because she was crowning for so long because well you could see her head for so long because she, i was pushing an op baby out and they back in the day Instead of olive oil like they use now or mineral oil, they used Johnson and Johnson baby shampoo. So not only did she have bubbles in her hair, but she had very long hair. So they were literally like playing with her hair and making mohawks in between bushes.
0: Oh, my gosh. Doesn't that just make you like shake your head now? Just thinking of that microbiome that yes. was just, you know, all messed up. And oh, my gosh.
1: And we fought thrush back and forth for like three months. Like, I wonder if stuff that like makes that. makes sense. Yeah, that probably had something to do with it. Um, so in between pushes, they're playing with her hair. And I guess I, like I said, mama needs food. And I was complaining between every wave how hungry I was. And I remember my mom looking at the nurse at one point and going, does everyone complain as much about being hungry? And they were like, I mean people are hungry but they usually don't talk about it this much
0: <laughs> sometimes that's my like go-to pushing motivation for mom so i'm just like same hey, like i know you, you're gonna get a baby and that's pretty cool but also we can get lunch
1: you can get you a turkey sandwich you can get you a, like it is not sunday chick fil is open <laughs> <That's right.
0: laughs>
1: we had one client who was like it's the lord's chicken um yeah so I remember just being so hungry and it was also kind of weird because I remember looking up at the TV at one point and seeing myself on TV. I had totally forgotten that I did this commercial for a realtor. And during that time, I guess he had finally launched it. I did it while I was pregnant and I just thought it was so funny. I didn't even know it had pushed out onto the TV. And all of a sudden I look up and in between Disney movies that were on the TV in the room, which why was the TV even on? my commercial with me on on the screen was on so that was kind of funny um just you were in a commercial I was I was he was such a great realtor and we loved him and he was trying to like build up his name and and so he asked if I would do one and he was like oh you know pregnant people are disarming and (laughs) so he used me and I didn't mind yeah it was fun I had a good time with it I think our dog was in it and um so yeah and So yeah, she was born 8.23 PM. I remember breastfeeding was fairly easy for me. Thank goodness. I had been a nanny for a long time. And I remember learning a lot from the struggles that the nanny that I worked for had. She had three kids when I started. And then she had numbers four and five while I was there. They were twins. And I was there with them all the time. I helped her nurse tandemly, her twins. I saw lactation consultants come in. And then she was pregnant with number six while I was pregnant with my daughter. So I saw a ton of experience and it just worked for us. We were so blessed with that. Um, But I do remember being so annoyed that they wouldn't let me go home after like I wanted to go home the next afternoon and they're like, you have to be here for over twenty four hours and we can't let you out at eight thirty at night. I was like, I, I, I felt like they were doing it just because I was like a young mom. And that was annoying to me. I'm like, I've taken care of newborn twins the day they got home from the hospital, 12 hours a day. Like, I know what I'm doing. Can, is there a test you can give me? Like, I went out of here. Uh, but they did. They kept me. And yeah, I, I don't think I missed anything on her story.
0: What was postpartum like with, with you? I know you said you passed a thrush back and forth quite a bit. Was there anything else going on in the postpartum?
1: you know, I felt a little bit isolated. I think I didn't have my family was about an hour and a half away. Um, I, my mom was super supportive. She would have helped me as much as I wanted, but I don't think I necessarily asked for much help. And because I had been in Annie, I just kind of went through the motions, but I don't think I allowed my, I went through the motions with the baby, not with being a postpartum mom and so that was the part that I wasn't prepared for was the emotions the relationship changes um sorry to say but if you don't have a very loving and supportive partner prenatally you're probably not gonna have one postpartum either and looking back now that i actually didn't even realize it until I was a birth worker I had postpartum depression and anxiety for sure um I don't know if I would have with a different partner But I definitely felt like I was the only one that could do most things. I wasn't able to have help any help diaper changing. He wouldn't do that. Um, He told me we didn't even need a trash can in the house. We should just be bringing the dirty diapers out to the trash can each time, because why would we keep them in the house? And I'm like, we're going to have a million a day. Like little things like that were an issue. And so I always felt like in kind of a fight or flight, like I was having to argue for what I needed postpartum. And I felt like I definitely came last. I just wanted to make sure my baby was okay. Um, We had a dog that was a lot of work at that point, too. And I was really worried about her accidentally hurting the baby because she would get like zoomies and run around. And she was a heavy dog. And I just always felt like I was trying to protect my space and also trying to protect my heart from emotional abuse, I would say um but i also don't think it was so like looking back on it i don't have sad memories of it like i cuddled with my baby i loved her we had a great nursing relationship my ex-husband deployed when she was five months old so that kind of gave her and i some time to just be by ourselves and be a little less stressed and I was able to go visit my parents like they, you know, they lived an hour and a half away. I would go stay with them for days at a time, which was really nice. I ended up finding a dog trainer that would take my dog while my ex-husband was deployed. So I wasn't having to worry about that piece of it while she was trying to learn to crawl on the floor um, and ultimately, I mean, I, I nursed her until she was like 13 months old or something like that. Everything went really, really well. Um, I feel like after he left, I just got less stressed because even though I was more like a single mom now, I kind of was before, but was also having to explain every little thing I was doing and why, rather than just being able to go with my instincts of of helping her and taking care of myself.
0: Yeah, yeah, just really highlights just the importance of partner support and having a you know supportive partner who understands kind of what their role is going to be in. The postpartum period because it's it's such a huge uh, it's such a huge transition for for couples and for especially for moms um and sometimes just having that person that you, you know at least can be empathetic if not you know straight up sympathetic and helpful
1: yeah yeah and it is weird because from afar I had a lot of loving people that would you know, check on me and but I really was one of my first friends to have a baby. So not everybody understood what I was going through either. And when you haven't had your own kid, you don't really know how to help somebody else that just did. So it wasn't that they didn't want to help. They totally did. They wanted to come and visit and hold her. And but I just kind of needed to, somebody to hold me a little bit, I think. Um, so I got a divorce when my daughter was almost four. And we moved to the Austin area and lived near with my parents, actually, for a little while. And I ended up getting married to my current husband, who is like, could not be more opposite of my first situation. He is my best friend, the best dad, the best husband and the best stepdad to our daughter. And so when we got together and we got married, we actually kind of had to decide, like, do we want to have a kid? He always wanted a child. I always wanted another child like forever. Aspen started applying for the role of big sister when she was like two, you know, as soon as she could talk, she's like, Mom, if you had a baby, I would help change the diapers. Mom, if you had a baby, I would clean the passies. Like she's always trying to get, uh, you know, the application in and her dad did not want any more kids. He told me that my pregnancy was too hard and that he wasn't going through that again. And I knew I wanted another baby, so that was kind of devastating to me because even though I didn't really want one with him, I probably just would have done it just so I could have my two kids. (laughs) Um, You know, in hindsight, I'm very glad I didn't do that. And when I got married to my current husband, our daughter almost immediately after we got engaged, I think the first question was, now I can get a flower girl dress. And I think the second question was, can we have a baby now? She was six when we got engaged actually she might have been yeah i think she was six when we got engaged and she was also six when we got married we had a fairly short engagement and very we immediately started quote unquote trying just not not trying um we decided though we're like man if we didn't have a kid we would be you know empty nesters like before we're 40 <laughs> or like right around 40 that would be pretty crazy um But we decided let's try and we're not going to try super hard and if it's too hard we're not going to do anything to help it but if it's meant to be it will be and our daughter also was like we're having a baby so i got pregnant we announced to our very very close family i think it was february 23rd because i think it was my mom's birthday that we announced and my due date was actually going to be halloween and I think three days later on February 26th, I miscarried. And we gave our daughter a t-shirt that said, I'm going to be a big sister finally on the bottom. And this sweet little girl, like trigger warning for miscarriage, y'all, she came back after we told her that the baby had passed. She came back and she handed me her shirt back. And she said, I want you to give me my shirt back when you have a healthy baby in your tummy and you have a picture of it. Because she, so
0: sweet and also I so melodramatic.
1: <laughs> I, well, she just, I know, she just wanted, she wanted to know it was a healthy baby. She knew she wasn't going to be a big sister yet, so she didn't want the shirt. And she wanted us to have a picture because she knew that once they're big enough to have a picture in the belly, that there's higher chance that they're healthy. And she had prayed every night for me to be pregnant. And so when we lost the baby, she changed her prayer and her prayer was, for a healthy baby in mommy's tummy um the miscarriage was hard on me even though it was only five weeks or six weeks pregnant I know that some people are like it's barely a baby but for us that was very much our baby and I was really emotional about losing that baby um and I went to the doc back to the doctor and they you know did the ultrasound to make sure I was having a miscarriage and they said well you should wait a couple of months to try to get pregnant again and I said. Well, I thought that you were really fertile after a miscarriage. And they said, you are. I said, but you're telling me that I should wait. I I don't want to wait if I'm going to have an easier time getting pregnant now. And they said, well, if you don't wait, we won't know when your due date is. I said, well, I don't care. I don't care when my due date is. Like, I'm just going to let my body go into labor naturally anyway. Oh, by the way, daughter was born on her due date, which was kind of crazy. But I even knew, like, that's not normal. and. I don't care how long I'm pregnant. So I went home, remember I miscarried February 26th, I conceived March 17th, with our son. So it was very quick. Um, and I had a fairly straightforward pregnancy with him too. I did realize within the first few weeks of being pregnant that I had prolapse that was undiagnosed from my first pregnancy because I was having symptoms of pelvic floor prolapse that kind of remedied themselves after the 12 week mark like when the baby starts to kind of come up over the pelvic bone uh, but was they were very clearly there right after i had him again
0: what what were those symptoms what was that like so i had
1: this is kind of like for y'all that are uh if you don't like medical stuff or if it's gonna gross you out maybe fast forward 30 seconds i don't know i but i'm very open about it because people need to know that that is a thing that happens At one point during those first, I don't know, maybe first five weeks of pregnancy, I had I would need to pee, but I would start peeing and then it would stop and I wouldn't be able to pee. And my cervix was prolapsed to the point where it was like kinking my urethra and making it so I couldn't pee. So I would have to push my cervix back up to unkink my urethra and the doctor was like you're not feeling your cervix i was like yes i am i can see my cervix she was i don't think so come on in and so i come in and i'm lying down and she's like there's no way you can see your cervix i was like let me stand up and she was what does it look like and i said i don't know like a shiny mini donut i don't know (laughs) and she goes oh my God, you are seeing your cervix. I was like, I told you, but when I'm lying down, gravity is working the opposite way. So of course you're not seeing it bulge the way that I am when I'm standing up. They talked about getting me a pessary, but they said, let's wait until, which is like this thing that helps hold up your cervix. Um, But they said, let's wait until after your 12 weeks to see if that remedies itself, which it did. I ended up having uterine rectal and cystile, uh so basically bladder uterine rectal and cervical um prolapse now don't everybody freak out I same thing with my joints and the reason that my joints are hypermobile is similar to why my connective tissue would not go back the way it was so it wasn't a muscle issue for me it was actually connective tissue that was no longer in the right place and it's not like it can just rebuild um so I ended up having a hysterectomy after my son but wow, that's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. And especially for someone who had no idea that I had that until I got pregnant again. And that weight of the baby, even though it wasn't that much yet was causing enough pressure to make all of that be very clear. So when I was pregnant with my son, um, I did have that, you know, after you have a miscarriage, it's so weird because everything is scarier all of a sudden. I never worried one time with my daughter that I was going to lose the baby ever. And with my son, every little thing I was like, I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay. I think around 20 weeks along, I had a bleeding episode where I panicked and I'm like, what if we're losing the baby? And my husband is so calm. He's like, you know, we don't know that yet. We're just going to go to the dot. And I was like, but what if we are? And he was like, but we don't know we are. <laughs> and it ended up being something with my cervix that was bleeding. not and it was I was not in any danger. Um, But still, it freaked me out. And I remember my mom at one point going, I just cannot wait until this little boy is born. And we can just see him breathing. So we can all make sure he's okay. And it affected my parents, like my mom even said, I never worried about losing you when I was pregnant with you. And now all I do is worry that we're going to lose Anson like, we were all running around in fight or flight, which Kind of amazes me that I was able to have the birth experience that I had with him, looking back on it, knowing my whole pregnancy, I was worried. Um, So I knew that I wanted to do things differently than I did with Aspen. I knew I didn't want to have a baby in a hospital. My main motivation, I didn't want an IV. I hate ivs i didn't want one and i wasn't gonna to have to have one if i was at a birth center so i ended up having our son at a birth center in austin that is no longer around anymore but it was very close to a hospital and it was kind of inside of my ob's office and when my husband heard i didn't want to have a hospital birth he goes well then what are you going to do differently because we're obviously we've got a plan for that and i said well that same technical aunt that had had the first baby that with hypnobirthing had now had two other children that way, one accidentally at home on her couch, because her husband didn't realize how far advanced she was in labor and kept packing bags. She's like, we've got to go. So they had a baby at home by accident. So I was like, you know, there must be something to this. (laughs) Even though I was a big old skeptic, something has to be, you know, changed uh, in my brain, because this is clearly possible. So I asked her what book she read and she sent me a picture of the front of the hypnobirthing the Mongan method book and i read the first two i got it read the first two chapters and i was like holy cow this is this is chemical reactions in the brain this is science this is so cool i've got to have somebody teach me how to do this so i found a hypnobirthing educator in austin she was also a doula who was about to take a hiatus to be with her family and she actually took us on as her last client, which was really cool. Um, she taught my husband and I hypnobirthing classes in our home. My husband is way too private to be in a group class uh, with a bunch of other people. And we planned a hosp- uh, sorry a birth center birth. And I even ended up getting a birth photographer, which was really cool. I found somebody who was considering breaking into um, birth photography and so she was willing to do a really reduced price which is cool and those pictures are seriously like some of my most prized possessions now i also set up a video camera in the corner of the room just on a tripod so we could videotape i knew it wouldn't be anything like you know edited and special or whatever by a videographer but i just wanted to be able to look back and hear what i said see how i behaved and okay so with anson my wave started around 5 30 in the morning Y'all, when you have your first kid, the moment you feel anything, you're like, ah, we got to go. We're having a baby. The second one, you're like, I don't think so. My alarm doesn't go off for another hour and a half. I have another kid to get to school. You better just slow your roll. (laughs) I was so true. (laughs) Like, I don't have time for this. I could still sleep some. I was 41 weeks, two days. So I had done all the things to try to go into labor because I knew if I didn't, I was going to end up having to have a um hospital induction I didn't want that so I did uh I think I I pumped I walked I took um castor oil which I do not recommend I took castor oil nothing but fiery poops y'all it did not make me have any waves I I did all the things and looking back I'm like why did I do that but I was so worried about the time clock And And were you were
0: you doing those things like in conjunction with what your midwives were suggesting or was it kind of like you just being like, I'm ready to get this kid out. Let's
1: get her done. I don't even remember them being worried about me not having had my baby yet. I think I did a membrane sweep and it didn't hurt or bother me. It was with a really, really gentle midwife. And I I don't know that anyone was pressuring me. I was just so worried that I wasn't going to be able to have my birth center birth If I were to wait to go into labor too much longer and around 30 weeks, one of my dogs knocked me on my bottom down the stairs and I fell really hard onto my bottom down two stairs. And so I had to go into the hospital just for 24 hour observation to make sure me and baby were okay. And I hated it. There was construction going on. I could hear things in other rooms. I slept terribly. The little monitors that they kept on my belly for 24 hours to make sure I wasn't having waves and to see how Anson was doing with his heartbeat, itched me so bad. I had kind of a medium case of pups on my stomach, which for those of you who don't know, is like a very itchy rash and it looks so gross. It like looks contagious and it's miserable. Um, And the gel and combined with that and like the heat that those bands give was just making me miserable and so i knew they could just reiterated why i do not want to be here i was like i don't want to be reinforced i do not want to be at a hospital so i think i was putting pressure on myself and i also am the kind of person who needs distractions so being that type a personality i was not gonna take off of work before i was in labor and so i was very good i ended up being very good friends with the people i worked with and i worked at a civil engineering firm as a project coordinator so You know, I'm constantly dealing with people and timelines and all of that. And they had bets going in the office. I worked with engineers. So they had bets going with how much is the baby going to weigh and when's the baby going to be born, which was fun until everyone's dates were getting passed. And I had one guy who would pass my office every day and go, no baby yet? No baby yet? And he meant well. I went into his office one day and I was like, if I had a baby yet, I wouldn't be here. I don't have a baby hanging off of my boob. Do I? No, I'm here. My belly's big. No, baby. Don't ask me anymore about the baby. And he's like, sorry. I was like, I know you mean well, but you're driving me nuts. Um, And Nobody
0: ever guesses past the due date. I feel like all those things like, oh, 37, 38, 39, maybe a couple days past the due date, but nobody's
1: like 42 weeks. Let's go. Right. And reminder, I was not a birth worker yet. So I was thinking oh I had my first one on her due date so my second one will be early I don't know who put that out there in the universe you guys it's not true just because your first one's on time does or even first one's late it does not mean your second one will be sooner it just doesn't
0: so especially when you're so anxious during your pregnancy that you're in that fight or flight mode that's gonna almost definitely keep that baby in a little
1: bit longer amen so I my wave started around 5 30 in the morning I tried to sleep through them. I remember at one point I started timing them just to make sure, like, are these close together? Because I'm going to want to know later. But I don't even care right now. I would just like wake up to tap the button. And my daughter needed to be at school at 740 a.m. She was in elementary school. So I uh, took her to school still. And I remember her PE teacher was one of the people that was in the drop off line. And I yelled out to her. I was like, Aspen might be picked up soon. I'm in labor. But my mom will get her if if she's picked up. And she's like, you're in labor right now? I was like, yeah. And she just thought I was crazy for still dropping Aspen off at school. I told my husband I was still going to go to work. And he goes, no, how about you just stay home? And I was like, no, because I have stuff to do at work. And he goes, how about this? Let's take a walk to the donut store because we lived just down the street from one. And when we get back, if you decide that you should still go to work, then you can go. And we never even made it out of the door to try to walk to the donut shop. Thank God for
0: husbands and their cooler heads. Sometimes I feel like sometimes oh. they're just that voice of logic. We're like, mm, no, I, th- I think, I think not. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I. Okay, so when I always tell people in my birth classes that you know, I can give you as much detail as you want on what could happen, but it still could be completely different, because I would be lying down and I would just have, I don't know, maybe eight minutes apart, seven to eight minutes apart. But the moment I stood up, if I even stood up and tried to walk immediately a wave and to like would bring me to my knees and I would just have to breathe. I couldn't even pay attention to anybody. So finally I stopped laying down and I was like, all right, I'm going to walk around for a couple of minutes. And I never, I mean, every three minutes I couldn't, I couldn't even do anything. So we called the midwife at the birth center and she's like, you know, you guys live 40 or 45 minutes away. Let's just have you come in. And by this point, it was around ten in the morning. She goes, "Let's just have you come in, and let's check on you, and then we can send you home if we need to." I was like, "Okay." So we get in the car. We got to the birth center at 15. I do not remember off the top of my head how open or dilated I was when I got there. I want to say I was around seven centimeters when I got there, and I got there at 15 a.m. My son was born at one fifteen p.m. So two hours of being at the birth center before he was born, I, my water stayed in, stayed intact until 10 minutes before he was born. So I remember I really had to pee and they were like, I was like, but I don't feel like getting up to pee. And they're like, well, just pee here on the bed. And I was like, I can't do that. And like, we're, we'll put a bedpan under you. So I'm trying and I couldn't do it. And finally, I just talked myself into getting up and going over to the toilet. And the moment I sat down on the toilet, my water's released like hugely, um, Oh, rewind. I was in the birthing tub for a little bit and my husband had this music going. The reason we got a doula also was because I wanted my husband to be able to enjoy the birth of our son and to not feel like he was on, like having to hip squeeze, having to get my water, having to do all the things. And it was really nice because he did. He tended the music. We had a nice time my daughter was there my mom was there my grandmother was there my stepdad was in the waiting room just outside um my daughter at seven years old would go eat her jimmy johns a bite of her jimmy johns or her chips in the in the uh what's it called like waiting room area waiting and, room, yeah. yeah and he, and she would come back in and my stepdad goes can you please close the door when you come out of your mom's room because I cannot hear her like that it was it was really sweet um and i was making i call them like my dying cow noises you know those low uh noises and i'll tell you like i wasn't really even feeling like i was in a great amount of pain it was just those noises felt good and i got into the tub at one point and i remember it felt so good and i looked up at my husband and i cried and somebody goes why are you crying And i was like i just love you so much to my husband like i was so happy and i mean it was just culminating into everything that i had dreamt about like this is what i wanted and unfortunately at a certain point they did notice some bleeding in the water and they were you know it's very hard to assess drop a little tiny bit of dye into a bathtub and then the whole thing turns red So it's harder to assess bleeding in the water. So they asked me to get out and I birthed the rest of the time or labored the rest of the time on hands and knees on the bed. Um, And the only time I would say that I truly felt intense pain in my labor was as my son was being like, as I was breathing him down, because I remember the midwife at at one point goes, hey, uh, you can push now. And I was like, I am going to breathe my baby down. like Jennifer told me to which was the name of my doula and she had taught me the thing. and so they were fine with that for a little while but then she goes okay I can't hear your baby and I need you to push him out now because he was so low that she couldn't keep she couldn't find his heart tones and so then I kind of you know you go into that fight or flight and you panic and I bear down as hard as I could I remember yelling that I needed more oil or I was going to tear and I remember my husband saying Honey, you have all the oil (laughs) they had used so much oil on me and i actually didn't tear um but i just thought i would and the moment, you yeah i'm kind of surprised i did have um a labial tear with my daughter with my daughter but it was very minimal and they actually missed it i had to go back two days later because it was hurting um so when i gave birth to him he peed so quickly after coming out, and there's a picture of my husband putting up a pillow to block his stream of pee. And then I was so excited for my husband that he was having his first baby that I tried to hand my baby over to him, like, so that he could hold him, and everyone's like, he's still attached. Like, <laughs> fresh out of the womb, and you're like, here you
0: go, you're up.
1: <laughs> I've done it for nine months, your turn. Um I was really surprised by how much he was crying because my daughter didn't cry until they took her away from me to weigh her. And my son who was born with all these hypnobirthing techniques was the biggest cry baby ever. And so I just didn't anticipate it. Uh, With my son, I significantly hemorrhaged. I was at the birth center, significantly hemorrhaged. Um, At one point, my mom asked my doula if that was my placenta and she said, no, that was a blood clot. She already passed her placenta. So that was concerning. I remember getting really afraid at one point and I was like looking at my doula, holding her hand, looking up at her going, do they need to transfer me? Just transfer me. It's okay. I can go. Like, I don't need to stay here because I was really afraid. Um, My midwife was really heavily pushing on my stomach. I remember trying to pull her arms off of me because she was doing the quote unquote fundal massage, which no massage feeling about that not fun no not fun Fundle. no yeah exactly and she gave me a shot in my leg of Pitocin to help with the bleeding and that needle I remember going when is it gonna be out and they're like it is out um they had to give me a rectally to try to help stop the bleeding because it works at a different way and pace than Pitocin and I was so so cold I remember they wrapped a heating blanket around my head and i was covered up in you know tons of blankets and my husband was holding our son and cuddling with our daughter and um, really doing such a good job of keeping everything peaceful there i remember my mom was really worried and my husband just never was worried he's just cool as a cucumber never freaked out about anything i asked him later were you afraid and he goes no and i said What if something happened to me he goes well what what good would it do like we were in the right place with the people that had you in their hands like they knew what they were doing and he just had such uh belief in the process and i didn't ever have to transfer i think if i had been in a hospital i may have had a transfusion it was pretty significant i don't know my numbers like for my blood loss but i it did take me a couple of weeks to be able to walk you know more than just the couch to the table without losing my breath. Um, And looking back on it, it's just funny because, you know, I had him at 115. They sent us home around 10 p.m. They usually only keep you about six hours, but they had to make sure my blood pressure came back up from losing so much blood. And it was funny because we got home like by 11 o'clock that night and Whatever. Well, fast forward real quick to when I'm a doula and I went and I checked on somebody in the hospital like a day after they had their baby because they lived really far and they're like, you can just do our postpartum in the hospital. So I just came in. I checked on them. And when I said I was going to the hospital, he goes, why? What, what happened? I was like, nothing. They just haven't been released yet. And he goes. Why? Why are they still there? And I said, well, honey, because at a hospital, you stay a couple of days. And He goes, oh, that sucks. <laughs>
0: See, people are surprised by that sometimes. I, I have yeah. that. I've had that question a couple of times. We're like, how long? Like, we get to go home tonight, right? I'm like, "Uh, no, friend. You are you're here for
1: a day or two. Yeah. And it's funny, too. They're the opposite where people are like, wait, the birth center sends you home right away. I kind of want to stay, you know. So, yeah, that's all he ever knew about birth was just this really amazing, beautiful experience we had with our son being born. And so he just didn't even know there was any different. Um and postpartum was great I had I nursed him um we had a pretty good time with nursing I did have a little bit more of supply issues I had some like issues with having to change my diet I went are you ready for all the things I went dairy soy peanut tree nut and gluten-free I was already gluten-free but all those other things just because I was like something's wrong with my baby like he's fussy he ended up with reflux um I was worried that my milk was making him bothered, which now I probably would not do the same thing. And I had to pump because I had to go back to work. I never had to go back to work with my daughter, but I did go back with my son. And yeah, so it was was a little bit different of a postpartum, but I had so much help. Yeah. I had so much help. My husband was so good. I never baby wore. I could never figure out the things, the contraptions. My husband would baby wear. He was like making grilled cheese, holding our newborn, making grilled cheese for our daughter. Um, He was amazing. Our bedroom was upstairs and the kitchen was downstairs. He would bring meals up to me, bring water up to me, food, everything like I just you know bring our daughter to school, get up early and take care of everything. This poor man was like, I have a picture of him. He put on his sweatshirt. Backward. So I have a picture of him when our son is two days old with the hoodie on the front of his face right after he put it on because this poor man was so tired, too. Um, But he was just a rock star and still is. And uh, I could not imagine having a child with like a better partner. So my experience was pretty night and day different. And right after I had our son, I looked up at him and I said, I have to help other people do this like this was incredible. They have to know this is possible if they want to do this and although he was merely a stepdad who had just dipped his foot into fatherhood just in the last you know few hours he had dad jokes for days already and he said just doula it i'm not kidding that's what he said just doula it and i did about 14 months later i went to hypnobirthing education training and the rest is history
0: Amazing. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to talk more about the journey that you had kind of getting into birth work and what that looked like for you. And all of that will be in our not next episode, but episode after that, where we talk about how we started uh, our journeys into birth work and our doula partnership and kind of how that evolved into this amazing project that is what you are listening to now which is birth baby so join us next week uh, our next episode i guess as we talk about my birth story and my two babies and then the one after that where we start talking about how we became doulas and all of that good stuff
1: thank you all so much
0: thank you for joining us on this episode of birth baby Be sure to tune in next episode as we start talking about my birth story. We want to thank everyone who has been supporting us as we have started on this podcasting journey, especially longing for Orpheus, who did our intro and outro music. You can look him up on Spotify. Remember to leave a review and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.